0: Welcome. This is the Life Habits podcast series and my name is Carl Vredenberg. This is the series that helps you to learn new habits to optimize your life in order to stay sane in this crazy world. This is episode number 61 and the topic for today is Mastering Gratitude. And we have with us today a guest that we've had on before, Catherine Britton. Welcome, Catherine.
1: Welcome, Carl. Thank you for having me.
0: It's great to have you back. Catherine was on previous episodes that we did together, number 16 on positive psychology and number 40 on psychological capital. And this topic that we're dealing with today, gratitude, was introduced by me in episode number 27 by way of sort of introduction. But today's session has sort of turned up a few notches with uh, Catherine On, who has deep experience in this area, having written an edited book on the topic and also very, very well versed and uh, knowledgeable about all kinds of other research and understanding of this topic as well so maybe before we get started you want to just provide a little bit of a context uh, Catherine in terms of this topic and where we're going to go today and then I was uh, very happy that you provided a set of quotes and then the top 10 list which we'll go through today as well so let me just ask you to maybe just provide a little context first
1: I think I mentioned to you before, Carl, that I am an associate editor and author for an online publication called Positive Psychology News Daily. This is a a, a site that publishes probably three to five articles a week that are 500 to 1,000 words, just really short, that are trying to describe the connection between the ivory tower that is research, what's going on or what are we learning about positive psychology What are we learning about what makes people thrive? Mm -hmm. And Main Street, that is, what are people doing in everyday life? So how do we take the research and get it so people are aware of it so that they can take advantage of what we learn through the research? So what we do is publish these articles that create a connection between the ivory tower and Main Street. And after, I guess we've been running for about four years now, We have about 800 articles. We started looking through for topics that really showed up a lot. And one of them was gratitude. Gratitude is a very, very effective way of, if you wanted to intentionally increase your well-being, learning habits of gratitude is a very effective way of doing it. So the topic shows up a lot. So we pulled together about 17 articles from different authors writing about how gratitude shows up in life, various ways of using gratitude practices, showing appreciation to people, which is a very effective behavior both at work and at home. 17 articles or so illustrated and put together into a little book that we call Gratitude, How to Appreciate Life's Gifts. The book was edited for a general audience, so it doesn't have a lot of the research in it, but it does have links back to the articles online in case people want to find out well what was this actually referring to? What what are what are they talking about? The other thing that it includes is we have since it's an online site, a WordPress based site, we get a lot of comments. People post questions, people make suggestions, people write about their experiences, and we took some of the commentary that we thought was particularly interesting and included in the book as a way of making things a little deeper for people. So that's a little bit of background about the book that is my claim to gratitude fame here, and I'm happy to go on if you like and talk about the quotations that I selected.
0: That would be great, actually, Catherine. Go ahead.
1: Okay. The top quotation that I had was by somebody, Frank A. Clark. I don't really know who he is, but I liked his words. If a fellow isn't thankful for what he's got, he isn't likely to be thankful for what he's going to get. I particularly like this one because a lot of times people are looking to the future and thinking it's going to be changes in my circumstances that are going to make me happy. I'm not happy today, but you know, I'll be happy when I finish my degree, when I get the perfect job, when I get the perfect mate. You know, they look ahead to the future to expect happiness to come in the future. Well it turns out that if you look at differences and this is something from research that was done by, by a psychologist Sonia Lubomirsky and some others, when you look at the difference in happiness between people in a population, about 50% of the difference is attributable to genetic differences. Some people are just born happier than others. They're born with a tendency to feel good about what's going on in their lives. About 10% is based on circumstances, whether or not you have the right job, whether or not you, you know, you're happy with your family, whether or not you like where you live, whether or not you feel like you're keeping up with the Joneses, all of those aspects. About 10% of the variance is attributable to those differences. About 40% is attributable to behaviors, intentional behaviors, and attitudes of mind. So if you're thinking about where you have the greatest ability to affect your own well-being, It's not so much in your circumstances, it's in the way you behave and the way you think. So there are a number of behaviors that people have been able to test to see, do they have an impact on the well-being of large populations of people? And they're actually that gratitude practices are a very, very effective way to raise well-being.
0: You always do such a great job, Catherine, of really leveraging the research that's available and communicating it so clearly. This whole notion of, you know, 40% of the variance or the 40% of the impact that we can have and the ways in which we can you know, change our life is a lot. And a lot of the things that I think we're going to be talking about are how you can change the approach that you're going to take on this topic and get a lot of the benefit of improving your well-being by focusing on this topic of gratitude. No, Great stuff.
1: Okay, all right. So, I, I will go on to the next one. The secret of happiness is to count your blessings while others are adding up their troubles, which is from William Penn, the pioneer who came over and started Pennsylvania, which is named after him. What he's indicating here is that you have a certain choice about where you put your focus. And we all have blessings and we all have troubles. And so, the what's what's going on when you think about gratitude practices it's a turning of focus towards the things that you can be thankful for which without denying the things that are your troubles i don't want to paint smiley faces all over everything i don't think you know people need to i think we have a certain range of choice about where we put our attention and we can intentionally make ourselves feel better by intentionally paying attention to the things that are our blessings. And that's where the gratitude practices come in. I will make the comment that in research that's been done on various interventions or ways for people to change their well-being, that gratitude practices are often mentioned sort of in the first breath. They're often the very first thing that's mentioned because Mm -hmm. they've been shown to have a substantial effect. The other set of practices that I think are very interesting are doing acts of kindness, Which And it's sort of a toss-up between the two, which one is the more effective. But if you think of them, they fit together. That gratitude is being aware of and being thankful for kindnesses and benefits that come to you. Through often no particular, I won't say fault of your own, but you know they come to you without you necessarily earning them. They're not entitlements. They're the things that you get. That it's very good to have them, and you're not necessarily entitled to have them. And that's on the one hand, acts of kindness are actually providing benefits for other people, things that will help them feel grateful. So the two kind of fit together, and both are very effective ways of raising your own well-being. The next quotation that I had, which, and I couldn't find who said it, so I've, I have it down as anonymous. One of the ways we can honor those who face great hardships is to be aware of how blessed we are not to face the same trouble. I found that one particularly interesting because there are times when people feel, how can I be happy in this world when there are people who are so unhappy? And I think the, the concept here is being aware of the fact That you are not facing those hardships and being aware of the fact that that is a great blessing. Being grateful for escaping things that could be happening to you is not just for your own good, but it's also a way of honoring the people who actually have gone through those hardships. I thought that was an interesting concept. The next one is a Chinese proverb. When eating bamboo sprouts, remember the man who planted them. I got this one from a friend of mine who has an eating disorder. And one of the things that she found that was particularly helpful for her to overcome her eating disorder was to to develop very deliberate gratitude processes around eating. So she would start a meal by giving thanks, not just to that the food was there, but to her parents for preparing the food for the people who stocked the grocery stores that got the food to her, for the farmers who grew the food, for the sunlight and the water and the good soil that, that allowed the food to grow. She found that this was a way of shifting her attention away from the, the poles of the eating disorder and towards more healthy eating. So that this one carries for me a particular weight because of remembering her. The last one... The unthankful heart discovers no mercies, but let the thankful heart sweep through the day, and as the magnet finds the iron, so it will find in every hour some heavenly blessings. And that one's from Henry Ward Beecher. I like that one because I like the idea of there being blessings, but like little iron filings, they aren't. They don't have to be huge. I had um, one person that I was talking to once who had tried gratitude exercises and she got bored because after a while she said well i'm thankful for freedom i'm thankful for living in the united states she was an uh, an immigrant to the united states i'm thankful for having a job and she ran out of things that she could feel thankful for and i what i told her was you have to be thankful not just for the big things in your life but for the little things too and so if you think of the magnet sweeping up the iron filings It's The thankful heart knows how to be aware of what the little blessings are that add up during the day.
0: And when you put all of those together, all those iron filings and also those small appreciations of even small things that are positive in life, I think the point you're making is they all start to add up to be a significant influence on overall well-being and so I think these are great themes Catherine to get us started in a variety of directions here on this overall topic of gratitude and I think you've also put together a top 10 list to practically go through how people can progress through and get really good at doing this.
1: The first tip in my list actually the first three tips are from a book by Robert Emmons who is a preeminent scholar of gratitude and has done some significant research studies, including one, let me just talk a little bit about it. A lot of studies look at how grateful people feel and how they're doing in other parts of their life and then do a correlation and see whether there's a significant relationship between the two. He actually did an intervention study with a group of people, so he had three groups of people One group that he called the gratitude group, and they spent 10 weeks, every Sunday night, they would sit down and write down just a few sentences, five things that they were grateful for during the week. He had another group that was the hassles group. And on Sunday night, they would sit down and write five things that had been troublesome, difficult, hard to deal with during the week. He called that the hassles group. And the final group was the control group. They sat down and just wrote five events that occurred during the week. So all three groups were writing down five things on Sunday nights, and they did this for about 10 weeks. And they also did journaling and measurements beforehand to get us sort of a a bead on how happy people already were so that they could tell if there were any difference over that period of time. Mm -hmm. I think that they were actually quite surprised by how much difference there was between the happiness group, the gratitude group, and the hassles group in terms of their overall satisfaction, their overall well-being, but also things like the the gratitude group exercised an hour and a half more a week than the hassles group. An hour and a half a week more exercise makes a difference in your physical well-being. So there are other studies like this where they've tested groups doing various different activities. I think that Emmons, and his partner, Michael McCullough, found that doing the gratitude every night was more effective than doing it once a week. I think that Sonia Lubomirski did a similar study and she found that actually you can have people doing it too often. They tend to sort of run out of things to say and you have to work hard on, on variety in order to keep the, the exercise fresh. So you'll find different results in different places. And some people find that gratitude practices really fit them. Sonia Lyubomirsky, in her wonderful book, The How of Happiness, makes the point after she describes gratitude as one of her 12 approaches to happiness. She actually writes down and says, you know, gratitude doesn't float my boat in particular. And that's part of the point she makes, that people really need to find a good match for themselves and that gratitude practices... May not be the top choice for everybody, but they are they can be very a very effective way to raise overall well-being.
0: I think you're also saying from that study or that series of studies that despite the fact that you're saying earlier that some people are just more positive versus negative to begin with, you know, naturally so, and other people have more, and can be influenced to be more positive or negative. I think this whole notion of focusing on gratitude and the the very experiment you just described really brings home that while there may be still individual differences in terms of the tendency to do this and how natural it feels and how good that, uh, anybody can be at doing this, like you say, in terms of coming up with sufficient examples of positive things that happened and the like. I think the overall effect still reinforces that a focus in this area and actually going through the kind of steps I think we're going to be going through next really drives a change in your experience and your emotional reaction and the like entirely due to focusing more on the positive versus the negative. And we've done several podcast episodes in the past on a variety of topics somewhat related but they will talk about things like you know focusing on the positive in this case you're going through and giving instructions and help on how to actually do that in a very practical way because a lot of people will not have this as something that comes naturally to them as you're pointing out as well and so uh, I think it's a great topic to get people to focus on more for the betterment of their own selves but also just the whole environment around, right? You like to be around people that are more, you know, more positive and that aren't complaining all the time and the like. And I think that what we're going through here has benefits for everyone.
1: That's a very good point. And in fact, in the description of this study in his book, Robert Emmons makes the point that not only were the people in the gratitude group happier, but their spouses mm-hmm. were happier than the spouses of the people in the, in the hassles group, which, you know, is... I've, I'm, I'm. I was interested that they thought to measure that. I thought it was an uh, an interesting outcome, but it's exactly the an, an example of what you're saying. Now, in our little book, The Gratitude: How to Appreciate Life's Gifts, we have a couple of chapters about gratitude practices or about experiences with gratitude practices. The very first chapter in the book is called Three Good Things, and it was written by Jen Hausman, who had been conducting an experiment with her i guess he at that point he was 7 year old son so for the previous year they had tried out one of the gratitude practices which was to close the day by this was a bedtime routine for them she would sit with her 7 year old son as he was getting ready to go to sleep, and they'd each share three good things that had happened to them during the day. So after she'd been doing this with him for a number of months, she conducted a little interview with him about, well, what is this like for you? And it's, it's a really charming collection of questions from her and then observations from her son Jonah and then her, in some cases, her translations from seven-year-old language into the more scientific language of, of adults, but a wise little kid. There's another chapter in here that's about keeping a gratitude journal. The person who was keeping the gratitude journal had was very dissatisfied at work. He was afraid he might lose his job. He had been passed over for a promotion, and he was feeling very disgruntled and negative and i guess somebody suggested to him that he might want to try and change his focus by keeping a gratitude journal now, a gratitude journal is something it's it can be any kind of a notebook some people like to have nice blank books with beautiful covers some people just keep it in the back of of their work notebook or whatever it's just a place where you write down every day every 3 days every week it's with, but with some regular frequency, you write down good things that you've noticed in your life. Sometimes people have you also write down what you contributed to making it good. That's another a variation on this particular intervention. But you just do this on a regular basis. And sometimes you go back and read through to see what kinds of things you were feeling grateful for in the past. So it's a way of kind of collecting over time, here are the good things that are happening in my life. And the the story you know, goes on to talk about the impact on him. Let's see, after just a few days, the resentment he felt at work dissipated. He'd always been professional and friendly to people at work, but now he was taking interest in his coworkers on more personal levels. They responded to him. Journal entries included things like, Thomas, someone with whom he had never really gotten along, told me it was the anniversary of his wife's death. He'd never shared anything personal with me before. All of a sudden, he seemed much more human. And so the story goes on, and I believe this story is based on a coaching experience of the person who wrote the chapter, goes on to talk about the impact on his overall performance at work. So keeping a gratitude journal for him was a way of turning his focus away from all the things that weren't going well to the things that were going well, but you have to work at it. This is one of the points that that Bob Emmons makes, is that it takes some effort to develop habits of grateful thinking. You have to be aware of the things that are happening that are good things in your life. And think of all the times people are always talking about taking things for granted, so if you think about the, the many things you take for granted, one of the things that a gratitude practice can help you do is bring some of those things that are blessings in your life back into focus so that you're aware of them.
0: One of the benefits, too, of actually keeping the journal, I think, Catherine, is that it's a way of you know keeping track and writing them down. And where people that have a tendency toward focusing on the negative rather than the positive, if they just sat there at the end of the day or at the end of a week or a month, and tried to get a sense of what positive things happened, they may not be able to remember the positive things because they've got more of a bias for the negative. But if they've actually journaled, if they've actually written this stuff down close in time to the time it happened, they've actually got some veridical evidence. It's actually written down there and they could actually, you know, re-experience the positive things that happened during that time rather than relying on their own memory, which a lot of the time for, like I said, people that have a tendency toward the negative rather than the positive have a difficult time actually remembering the positive.
1: Well, we all actually have a bias towards the negative. So yeah, you know, which is part of the reason why this can be important. I'll give you an example. I have a, an elderly friend whose hands have gotten very arthritic. And so every time she knocks something over, you know or knocks a glass off the table or knocks something over or she gets very very upset about how she's losing the ability to do fine work with her hands but at the same time she's in her late 80s and she goes out for walks every day she leaves the the building where she she works and she goes out for 30 minute walks many of the other people that live where she does have to use walkers can't get outside the building without somebody else with them, so the very fact that she has the ability to continue to move like this is a tremendous blessing that she's almost never aware of. So, when you start thinking about it, it's perfectly legitimate to mourn the loss of your fine work hands, but it's also, you know, helpful if you can also bring back into your awareness the things that you haven't lost and health is like that many times we focus on whatever seems to be going wrong right at the moment without being aware of the of the incredibly complicated systems that are actually running very well we've covered the why now let's okay. talk a little bit about what goes into gratitude okay so there are really two major parts of gratitude the first one is acknowledging the particular goodness of your life mm-hmm. so that's one that's involved in awareness observation openness but you know just paying attention and being aware of what's going on and the second step is to recognize that this goodness comes from outside of yourself you know we do not totally create all our own blessings in life we may feel you know there may be a sort of a I'm responsible for my successes etc but the chances are if you really look at it there are a lot of other people who've contributed to whatever you've been able to achieve there are people who've taught you there are people who've helped you there are people who've given you opportunities so it's not all just you so this this awareness of the particular goodness in your life coupled with this sense that that you are the benefit of efforts from other people whether it's people whether it's god whether it's you know that you that you yourself are not the sole architect of your own accomplishments and well-being that's the second part of gratitude
0: so we've got the notion of acknowledging that we need to be looking for and appreciate so the goodness in life and I think you're also making the point that we shouldn't only be looking at things that we ourselves have made good you want to basically be acknowledging and appreciating and as you said earlier just having an awareness of everything around us that others may have done or they may just uh, have happened but acknowledging that they are, in fact, goodness and are positive in our lives.
1: Right. And the interesting thing, another interesting why for gratitude, is mm-hmm. that people who have who have gratitude practices also tend to be more socially contributing. They tend mm-hmm. to do more kind acts for other people. So part of being, you know, g- gratitude is, in a sense, many things. It's these uh, this awareness of the goodness. It's acknowledging that it comes from other people. It's a moral emotion that makes people behave in better ways towards other people. It's a character strength. There are some people who have a stronger part of their character, the ability to feel grateful towards other people. That doesn't mean it's an inborn thing that some people are grateful and some people aren't. Gratitude can be developed. It's something that is subject to intentional development. So now I'll get into a few ways that you can specifically develop gratitude, some of which are described in the book Gratitude, How to Appreciate Life's Gifts. The first thing is paying attention. We mentioned this before, but paying attention not just to the large things, but to the small things, and not just to the good things, but to the bad things avoided. That may sound a little strange, but I had the experience one time I was out my husband and I were planning to go on a hiking trip, and we were out for the day just making sure we were kind of practicing up for it, and I tripped over a, a, a tree root that I didn't see, and I felt flat. When I got up, I had a bruise, about an eight-inch bruise on my thigh, but I didn't hadn't broken anything, so at that point, I felt gratitude. I mean, I could have felt, oh man, I I'm just such a mess, I tripped over a tree root, I'm so clumsy, I'm, you know, I can't do anything right, I, you know, I've got this horrible bruise, et cetera, or I could turn my attention to what could have happened. Well, I could have broken my leg. You know, mm-hmm. I, I slipped in a mud puddle once when I was, when my daughter was two months old and broke my ankle, so I know how easy it is to go from being perfectly okay to not being okay anymore. So, the fact that I hadn't broken anything was something to be grateful for.
0: I actually had a similar experience as well that I that I often still think of, which is, I think, part of what you're getting at as well. I did an internship at a, a correctional institute, basically a jail, and also a, a separate one at, at a hospital. It was a psychiatric hospital in, in the latter case. And in the jail or the correctional institute involved a lot of people that couldn't leave. They had a lot of years ahead of them being confined uh, to that space. And the simple act of being able to, in both of those cases, walk out the door under my own steam and be able to do pretty well anything I wanted and go wherever I wanted was, quite frankly, incredibly liberating. And I've often reflected when, you know, I'm just walking out of out of a building somewhere, I think, ah, you know, that is something to really relish and really savor that we have that level of freedom a lot of us have significant freedom to move and do whatever we want which is something that i think is truly you know a blessing and something that we should acknowledge
1: you brought up my next point which is practice downward comparisons mm-hmm. downward comparisons is a i don't know whether it's a technical term or not but it basically means comparing yourself to somebody something whatever that's in a in circumstances that are worse than yours so and so in a sense you can use downward comparisons to think about yourself at a, a less happy time of your life. It doesn't have to be comparing yourself to somebody else at a less happy time of your life. Or in, in your case, you were doing a downward comparison, thinking about the people who were confined in prison and couldn't leave it. And so downward comparisons is actually one way to make yourself aware of what's, of what your benefits are. Um, there's a, a line from the poet Robert Pollock: sorrows remembered, sweetened present joy, which I think is relevant here. So, gives that extra certain poignancy to it, I guess, because it makes us aware of it. The next tip was to establish regular times to practice being grateful. And some people, for example, say grace at meals. Some people have a, a habit of thinking of three good things that happen during the day at bedtime. Sometimes families will do this at the dinner table. So... You know, you'll go. People will share things, good things that had happened to them during the day. That was what um, Jen Hausman was writing about the practice with her son Jonah. It's one one way of doing it daily, and but it is also making it a social behavior. That is, that you're using this as a a way of making the family conversation go. I have gone through my years of teenagers who, if you ask them, "What did you do today?" Nothing. That you know, sometimes you get better luck if you ask a question like, "Well." You know, name something good that happened today. So it's and it's an interesting way of, of exploring the good things that are going on in people's lives.
0: Yeah, this is one that I love, Catherine. This is one that I do myself with my family. And we basically go around the table. So we start off, you know, with one of the kids talking about what is the best thing you know, that happened uh, today, and then go around the table, and it's infectious. You know, one will try to key off of the previous one and, and get some ideas of other things that may have been positive. And it's also the opportunity for the adults to not only practice being more positive as well themselves, and I tend to be a rather positive person myself anyway, but it also gives the opportunity to model that behavior as well, because when you were talking about the tendencies earlier in people that are either, you know, more positive or more negative with regard to this kind of a topic, this is also somewhat learned, right? So if you learn the skills early of detecting things that you should be grateful for and then remembering them and then actually using those memories for your own benefit and others and trying to take stock of your situation and realizing that you in fact do have it good those are habits that you need to develop by actually doing the very activities like the ones you're suggesting here so the notion of doing this activity at mealtimes or doing it on a regular basis also even setting the expectation that when you sit down at the dinner table this is going to be one of the questions that's going to occur and you know, the kids can actually start to prepare and be all day excited about telling their very positive story, as opposed to (laughs) you can actually have some pretty negative spirals of people complaining. And I've heard that uh, as well. And that's also a behavior that you can also encourage or discourage. And I tend to discourage it. But uh, I think this is an excellent one to develop as a habit to then use in other aspects of life as well.
1: Well, that makes me think of a story from one of my very, very favorite managers who tells a story about being appointed to be the director of what she found to be a rather dysfunctional group. They Mm -hmm. did a lot of um, kind of backstabbing and and down talking each other down and weren't working pulling together particularly well so she started a practice where at the end of every staff meeting she would go around the circle and everybody there had to share something positive that they'd noticed about somebody else in the room or some say thank you for something that somebody else in the room had done or point out something good that somebody else had accomplished and she did not let people off they you know, they'd, she'd sit there until they had something to say. And she found that over a period of a few months, people were starting to pay attention to each other in a different kind of way in order to have something to say. So her practice changed the tone of interaction of the people in that group. And, you know, it was a matter of being required to be perceptive about what kinds of things the other people were doing that that made a contribution to the benefit of the group.
0: I love it. Great suggestion and great story.
1: I love that story. It comes back to my mind, actually, probably at least every few months. So she made a big difference in my life by telling it to me. So let's see. We've already talked about gratitude journals and going back and rereading old entries so that you can remember. But there's also a caution here that varying things up a little bit, you might, for example, some days you think about big picture things that you're grateful for and some days you think about really little picture things you know like right now i'm thankful that i have a hummingbird feeder right outside my window and that mm-hmm. every once in a while while we're talking a hummingbird will come and sit there and and drink from the feeder you know a small thing and that the sunlight right now is shining on the hummingbird feeder in a way that makes the birds really iridescent so it's a small thing but it, it's a pleasure that you can take some time And savor. We talked about sharing the practice of looking for three good things each day with your family, and you gave a great description of how to make it a dinner conversation. And then my last tip here was just you've got to find your own ways of doing it. You've got to find ways that work for you. We can make general suggestions. We can talk about approaches that work for other people, but a certain amount of experimentation for what is it that's going to Bring the blessings, you know, awareness of the blessings of your life back to your mind. You know, are you somebody that responds to reminders on the refrigerator or do they just become invisible to you? Are you somebody that responds to having little pop-ups on your computer that remind you to, you know, to do things? Or is that something that after a while you don't look at anymore? So you have to find your own rituals. What's going to work specifically for you? And that actually is one of the points that Sonia Lubomirski makes in her book is that you have to look for the right fit.
0: I would also suggest that to find the right fit would also include sort of just in integrating that into your life. And so things like if you don't like to journal particularly, like you don't keep a journal yourself, you don't have a way of capturing and writing you know, your experiences, that's just not for you, let's say then you can think of other things. So you can, if you have a, a voice recorder, you could just record it and you could play things back later if you wanted to, much like we're recording right now, Catherine. Now, the other uh, the thing that you might want to consider is a number of people are on Facebook and you write updates in there. And I tend to notice when people are writing predominantly negative things or positive things, but it's actually a fairly interesting journal of a fairly public statement of things that you're experiencing. And uh, I tend to focus and be cognizant of the fact that I, some of the time, may say things to complain about this or the other, and then catch myself and think, hmm, I want to focus a little more on, on some positive things and actually share that as well. And an interesting experience and an interesting experiment you might want to even try yourselves, each of you that use something like uh, Facebook or Twitter, is notice how much attention saying things positively will generate in terms of in Facebook, for example, getting likes. If you say something positive in your life and you say that life is good, you should follow that kind of update in Facebook and look later to see how many people like that and how many people said positive things back again. A lot of the time, people don't like to also hear a lot of complaints and people are happier themselves when they hear and read about positive things for others but if you were to for example document and say in ways that you would normally say on on facebook the positive things in life that you're experiencing that not only shares it with others it's also now a a journal of sorts to be able to go back to it again and say hmm yeah that's right too I, I, i did experience that and that was pretty good so the whole notion i think catherine that you're suggesting here in terms of trying to make this fit your life there may well be particularly innovative ways of thinking of things that you do today already and start to build this in as a practice as well.
1: Exactly. But I've also heard people talk about the possibility of there being worldwide studies of where happiness is what are differences in happiness around the world by studying the kinds of things that people put in Facebook or Twitter in various locations. I don't know if this will actually materialize, but I think it would be really interesting to do a textual analysis of the kinds of things that people post. So you could be thinking to yourself also, you know, when I post something, you know, relatively positive or happy in my Facebook, maybe I'm contributing to the going up of the happiness measure in my particular community relative to the rest of the world.
0: Interesting stuff. I'd heard the same thing and they were looking at a variety of factors that affected overall positive or negative utterances on Facebook. And there's another app as well that gets integrated into Facebook. And I don't recall right off now what it was, but I'll put it on the Facebook page for this podcast series, which is at facebook.com slash life habits. That's facebook.com slash life habits. It's one that you can actually just run yourself. It actually will also give you the sort of frequency count in a little cloud of uh, words that'll show what words are most prominent in what you write. And so if you're writing things most frequently that are, you know, positive, those will be floating to the top and those will be larger than words that aren't uh, said as often. So that's sort of an easy way. So you don't have to actually even read through all of the updates that you've provided or even the journal that you've written will give you a sense quite quickly of some of the things that you're saying and the things that you have actually communicated on Facebook as well. So we'll put both of those links on the Facebook page as well. So speaking of Facebook and other ways of getting in contact with the podcast and very specifically also Catherine, Catherine's email will also be on that Facebook page. We'll also put it on the show notes site, which is available at lifehabits.net. I'll also include the direct links to the book that Catherine was talking about, that she and colleagues wrote on the topic of gratitude, as well as the other book that she mentioned of uh, Robert Emmons' book, Thanks. And so we want to make sure that we provide you direct links to those things beyond describing them here as well. And as, as often the case when I I'm honoured to have authors of books on the podcast series. It's very, very good of them to provide, as Catherine has, lots of direct advice that you can take directly what we just spoke about during this episode and apply it this coming week. In fact, I would recommend that you actually take one or two or three of the things that we've talked about today and actually practice them specifically this week might want to take something like the dinnertime conversation of things that were positive during the day. Something like that. Just take that and practice it this week and see how that goes. Over and above that, though, there's deeper insight you can get and additional ideas Are obviously reading the book that we or the books that we've talked about here as well and encourage you to acquire those and get into deeper uh, detail as well. But that's um, pretty well it for this podcast series. Anything else you want to add, Catherine, before we finish up?
1: Well, for some reason, it just occurred to me that one of the chapters in the book is about writing thank you letters. And this is actually from the article on our site that has been the most visited. I think we've had about 50,000 hits to that particular article. And we keep wondering why, because you know, whether or not we got into a bride's magazine or something like that. But it's a wonderful little article about how to write an effective thank you letter and how to enjoy it in the process, which I think a lot of us need to learn how to do. So thank you. It's been a great pleasure to be on your show again, Carl, and I hope I get to come back again soon.
0: We'll definitely do it again, and thank you, Catherine. And thanks, everyone, for listening as well. Keep in touch. Go over to the brand new, spanking new Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash lifehabits. Just click on the Like button there, and you can get direct updates from the podcast for things that are coming up and the like as well. And that's it for this episode. We'll talk to you all next time, and bye for now.